you're not a part of United Methodist Women, you need to check that out. It's, it's awesome. They always have a great time. If you're watching online, would you write something in the comments so that we know who is with us? Um, I wanted to let you know our children's ministry is doing a coat drive the whole month of January. Now, you might say, you're not involved in children's ministry, but I want to tell you everybody can be involved in a coat and clothes drive for the clothes closet. And it's a great time of year to do it, to clean out your closets. Uh, You can bring those items on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights, or just stop by during the week and bring some things for the clothes closet. Wanted to let you know we have a uh, Sunday school class, or small group, you could say, starting um, January 23rd. It's going to be up in the gathering room so we can spread out. And we're going to have cinnamon rolls and lots of fun. It's called Dream Big. It's a Bob Goff series. Um, And it's about dreaming those big dreams that God has for us as individuals and as a church. Um, It's a five-week study, and I would love for you to join us. If you're already involved in a Sunday school class, don't leave your Sunday school class. But this is for those who aren't plugged into something. And it's all ages are welcome to check out that five-week class. Um, Wanted to let you know we have two confirmation classes going on right now. Our youth confirmation class was going to start tonight, but we backed it till the 23rd so everybody could join us for it. The youth confirmation is going to be from uh, 5 to 7 on the 23rd, and it's going to meet every other week. Pastor Sam has adult confirmation class, um, and his confirmation class is on Wednesdays uh, in the morning, and then he has one also at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. I will tell you that youth confirmation ends with a brunch, JT. We have a big brunch, and lots of, we have pizza at every confirmation class. Pastor Sam's class, I hear, just has mints. So I recommend youth confirmation class. (laughs) Um, One to let you know we have roses on the altar. We always celebrate new birth and new life in our church. Owen Patrick Thrasher has a big brother, Liam, and the parents are Brandon and Laura. Also the other rose, Clara Clara Lynn Gibbs, big brother Grant, and parents are Matt and Allison. So we have a new, new birth in the life of our children's ministry and our early learning center. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we pray that you will calm our hearts this morning and prepare us for worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I invite you to stand together this morning as we sing hymn number 158. Come, Christians, join us sing. Join us for the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And uh, this time, Pastor Andy is going to be taking any kids that we have that want to go to Children's Church. If you'll meet him down here to my right and to your left, then um, there's no telling what y'all are going to get into. Hopefully, we won't hear a boom like we heard last night. Did any of y'all hear that sonic boom or whatever it was? 
Yeah, we, we hope we don't hear that in children's church when Pastor Andy's in charge. So um, I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad you're worshiping with us. If you're worshiping with us online, say something in the comments and let us know who is there. If you're worshiping online, you can give online too. This is the time when we receive our, our morning offering. You can give online. You can give by text to give. You can use the church app to give. Our uh, ushers will be passing the offering plates around here. And we, uh, we pray that you'll continue to give. I want to thank you for being generous. Our 2022 um, estimate of giving cards and our generosity campaign, uh, we had more um, pledge cards that were submitted for 2022 than we did for 2021 for a, a greater amount uh, to support our ministry and our missions. And thank you for that. Continue to do that, please. Let's pray. God, we want to be good stewards of everything that you give us, including our lives and the, the gifts and talents that you give us, and also, Lord, the resources that you provide to us so that we can be a blessing to others. Now receive these tithes and offerings, Lord. Receive them into your kingdom so that others might be led to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you. You may be seated. One of the other great things that you can do with our church app is you can send us prayer requests. And we do have people that do that on our church website and on our church app. And also, uh, you can see those immediate prayer concerns and those ongoing prayer concerns that we're praying for. And that will help you in your prayer time to know um, who we as a community, as a body of Christ, are lifting up in prayer. We have prayer cards um, in the front and the back. You can get in the back of the pews, and you can give us your prayer requests that way. You can also give us praise reports. We love to do that. We love to hear about that, too. Uh, we are a praying church, and prayer is going to be uh, something that's going to get us through a, a difficult time, a difficult year. So will you join me now as we go to the Lord in prayer? Gracious God, as we come to you today, we come just as we are. We, we sometimes come limping into this worship service, Lord, because uh, of things that are going on in our lives whether physically or emotionally or spiritually, Lord, we come in with scars, we come in with wounds. But Lord, you are our healer, you are the great physician, and we come to you. We come to you for forgiveness, we come to you for, for healing, we come to you for comfort, for encouragement. And you are there for us because you are our provider, you are our shepherd, and you meet the needs of your sheep. So just as humbly as we know how, Lord, we ask that you would meet the needs of our hearts, that you would help us to open our hands and let go of the burdens that we carry, and that you would restore us, restore us and revive us in our hearts today. God, not only our needs, but the needs of those that we love are on our hearts today. We have a, a community and a, and a nation, Lord, that's still dealing with a, a pandemic that just doesn't seem to want to go away. We have healthcare workers that are stressed to the max, and we have businesses that are trying to survive. We have families that are trying to hold it together, young people who don't know which way to go teachers who are struggling to learn how to cope. God, pour your grace upon us now. Pour your healing upon us now. We need you. And teach us to pray, Lord, for each other. Teach us to pray the prayer you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our hymn of preparation will be number 467, Trust and Obey. I'd like to ask you to join me and stand as you're able as we sing 467.
Thank you, JT and Benny and Rhonda. We, uh, we continue. Uh, I think one of the things that the last two years have taught us, uh, well, two things. One is how, how vulnerable we all are in ways that we never really knew. And two, how resilient we can be. Uh, we do, I, I have um, my father-in-law for the last 30 years has been telling me uh, improvise, adapt, overcome. That's the Marine Corps uh, motto. And doggone if he's not right. Improvise, adapt, overcome. And that's what we continue to do. Um, Mark chapter 1 verses 16 through 20 will be our scripture today and you're invited to to follow along with me as we hear the gospel reading as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you fish for people and immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boats mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was a kid, there seemed to be, every time I turned around, a grown-up was asking me this question. And, and let me see if it sounds familiar to you. What do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody ever ask you that when you were a kid? What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And, and at first, I wanted to be a soldier because my favorite show was uh, combat. It was a, a, an old World War II show in the 60s. Uh, I'm dating myself, but here goes. So it, did any of y'all ever know Combat? Uh, I, won't, I won't tell anybody if you know Combat. It's my favorite show on old black and white TV in our living room. We had a big leather footstool, ottoman or whatever you call them. But for me, it was my cover. And I, I hid behind that. I had my G.I. Joe with the, complete with G.I. Joe footlocker. And I had my guns and I had a little helmet that I wore and I hid behind that footstool and I shot my toy guns at the TV and I lobbed toy grenades, whatever, you know, at the TV. It was great fun. I was going to be a soldier until later on, probably when I was about in junior high, I was talking to my cousin who actually served in combat and was wounded in Vietnam. And he told me some of the stuff and I decided, you know what, maybe I don't want to be a soldier as bad as I thought I did so I changed and then I was going to be a cowboy uh, because bonanza I mean who doesn't want to be a cowboy I wanted to be cool you know I wanted to have a cowboy hat and where it just cocked to the side like little Joe you know uh, so I was going to be a cowboy until we lived on a farm by the way and my dad got some actual cows and we had to actually take care of them and do all the things you have to do with taking care of cows. And I remember vividly one day, it was probably about this time of the year, riding in the back of the truck, it was sleeting. And I was just being pelted by sleet. And I was throwing hay out to the, to the cows because you just do that seven days a week, you know, in the wintertime. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it doesn't look like this on Bonanza. I don't think I want to be a cowboy after all. 
Well, what did you want to be when you grow up, when you were a kid? Are any of you still not grown up yet? You're still trying to decide? That's okay, too. Yeah. There's a, a question that's sort of similar to what do you want to be when you grow up, and it's a question that I think we need to keep in front of us as a church to ask it over and over again. The first time I heard this question was from a book that Andy Stanley wrote called Creating Community, which is a great little book, by the way. Andy Stanley, as you might know, is the founding pastor of North Point Community Church in Atlanta. And when they started that church, they started with a question. And it's not the question that you might think that a church would start with, but it's a great question. And the question is this, what do we want people to become? Why that question? Well, the answer to that question was going to tell them what they needed to do, how they needed to move forward as a church, what kind of church they were going to be. What do they want people to become? This whole month of January, we're doing a series called Integrity of Heart, and it's about authentically being who we say we are, who God has called us to be. And we looked at our mission statement. Uh, I want, let's just do that again, all right? Just on the, the back of your worship bulletin, Look down there in, in the bottom, underneath the cross and flame. This is our mission statement. You can find it on the back of our church bus, on our church sign, church letterhead. Here, right on the worship bulletin. The people of Gaston First United Methodist Church, say this with me. Changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. And last week, I talked about who we are and about being authentic to that and not being like the box that I got one year that had Krispy Kreme donuts on the outside and on the inside it had carrots and broccoli and celery and low-fat ranch dip. We want to be authentically who we say we are, right? So today we're looking at if we are who we say we are, then what do we expect that to accomplish? Who do we expect to become because of that? Because we're all still becoming None of us has arrived yet. We're all still becoming. Who do we want us to become as a church? Who do we want the people around us to become, for our community to become? So our answer to that will affect how we do church. I'm going to start out by, can I just give you the wrong answer first? All right, that'll, I think, be helpful. So what we don't want to become and what we don't want the people around us to become is just more religious. Do you remember the story in the book of Acts in chapter 17 when Paul goes to Athens? I'm not talking about Athens, Alabama, this just north of us. I'm not talking about Athens, Georgia, so Alabama fans don't worry about that. Um, I'm talking about Athens, Greece or wherever that one is that Paul went to. And he went into Athens, and what he found there was a whole bunch of idols. I, I, they had idols, false gods set up everywhere, every place you could see. They had an idol set up. They even had an idol to the unknown God just in case they missed one. And Paul looked around, and he started telling them about Jesus, and they were kind of interested. So they took Paul up on Mars Hill. And here's what Paul said to them in verse 22 of Acts chapter 17. He said, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. 
And they probably thought that was a compliment. They probably, they probably said to themselves, well, you're right, we're religious. We're a lot more religious than everybody else. Us, look at all these idols. But Paul really didn't mean it as a compliment at all. Paul wasn't there to make them more religious. He wasn't there to say, okay, you've got a bunch of behaviors and a bunch of beliefs. I'm here to lay some more on you so that maybe if you follow my little in-group. He didn't do that. Because, you see, at its heart, that's what religion is. It is a set of, of beliefs and behaviors to determine who is in and who is out. A set of behaviors and beliefs to see who's in and who is out. Um, so what we don't want to become as a people of God is just more religious. Uh, a book that I've been reading called Missional Church gives uh, a picture of how church is done sometimes. I think it's a mathematical picture, and uh, which is kind of unusual because I'm not the greatest in math, but it's, it's, it's a really kind of cool way to look at this. Sometimes church is done in, with an approach called a bounded set, a bounded set. And it works like this. In a bounded set approach, you build a boundary. All right, just picture a horse corral. I've talked about Bonanza, so just picture a horse corral. You know what I'm talking about. And the cowboys build a fence to, to keep the horses from wandering away. Outside of the corral, there could be all kinds of things. There could be rustlers that are trying to steal the horses. There could be wild animals that want to eat the horses. All kinds of bad things outside the corral but the cowboys keep them inside the corral in order to be able to protect them and feed them. Sometimes the cowboys go out and they find wild mustangs, right? They'll lasso them and they'll bring them back in, but before they can put them in the corral, they have to break them, right? And that's where we get all the rodeo stuff. Uh, and then once they get them where the horse knows to follow the rules, then the horse gets to be in the corral with all the other horses. If a wild varmint comes in the corral, the cowboys just shoot them. No problem, just get them out of the way. So that's the way it works in a bounded set. Here's how that looks when you try to do it as a church. You build theological and doctrinal fences and the pastor and the church leaders are the cowboys and the cowgirls. Yeehaw, right? And, and we, we take care of the ones inside the corral and we make sure that they get fed and make sure that they follow all the rules. And if a varmint tries to get in the corral, we shoot them. This is a metaphor, y'all, okay? Just as a metaphor, just, just it's okay. Um, but that's kind of how a bounded set approach works. That's what religion is. It's a bounded set approach. It's really based on fear, if you think about it. It's based on fear of the ones that are inside the corral, that they're not checking all the boxes right. They might get kicked out of the corral. It's a fear of those who are inside of the corral about the wild mustangs that are outside of the corral. It's based on fear. And I want to tell you, it's the wrong answer for the church. Jesus did not die and rise again from the 
dead so that we could be more religious and build better fences. So here's the right answer, and it goes to the scripture that I read at the beginning, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. What do we want to become? What do we want others to become? And the short answer is this. We want to become followers of Jesus who invite other people to follow Jesus along with us. Followers who fish for people. Disciples who make disciples. That's it. That's who we want to become. It's aspirational. It's still aspirational. Our whole lives, we're still learning how to do that. I'm still learning how to do that. So if a bounded set is what uh, church looks like this, doing it the wrong way, what does a church look like that's doing it the right way? And that would be called a centered set. Where Jesus is the center, Jesus is the one we're all trying to follow. It wouldn't be like a horse corral, it would be more like the way that shepherds kept sheep in Jesus' day. Shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks, right? And if we were to go up to the shepherds who were in Jesus' day keeping watch over their flocks, we might say, why don't you build a fence? Why don't you do something to keep all of these sheep together? And the shepherd might say to us, we don't build fences, we just dig a good well. And we just try to be good shepherds. The sheep won't stray far from the source of water. The sheep won't stray far from the sound of the shepherd's voice. What would a centered set church look like? A centered set church is where the good shepherd speaks and we listen. The good shepherd is the source of living water and we stay close to the source. So I want to talk a little bit about following and fishing because that's who we want to become. That's who we want others to become. Follow me, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew and James and John. Follow me. I think it's important to note what he didn't say to them. Jesus didn't say, get everything in your life straightened out and then you can follow me. He didn't say to them, well, make sure that you have all the boxes checked and then I'll be back in a couple of years and then maybe you can follow me. He didn't say, I need you to become effective in these spiritual disciplines and then you can follow me. Jesus just said, I want you to start where you are, just an old, rough, smelling fisherman, and I want you to follow me. And if you'll do that, I'll make you into who you need to be. The word follow is kind of a cool word. In verse 17 in Mark chapter 1, it's the combination of two words in the Greek. One means to come away, and one means to come behind. So if we want to become followers, then we will be those who come away and come behind. Come away from what? Well, come away from our own self-centered existence, thinking the world revolves around us. Come away from maybe the old way of doing things. 
come away from that mentality that just wants to try to be more religious and make others more religious. Just come away. The first disciples that Jesus called came away. They came away from their old life. It wasn't like they didn't have anything else better to do. I mean, Peter and Andrew were, were fishermen and they had a pretty good living. Uh, James and John and their dad Zebedee had a successful fishing business. They even had hired hands. But they came away from that old life. The second part of that is to come behind. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. That sounds kind of simple. We try to walk where Jesus walked. We try to do what Jesus said do. In verse uh, 28 of chapter 10 of, of Mark, Peter said, Lord, we've left everything behind to follow you. And it's true, that's what they did. So think for a moment about the priorities in your life. I don't know if you, at the first of the year, if you make New Year's resolutions, or if you start to think about, here are the things, here's the way I wanna prioritize my life in 2022. But we all have priorities, whether we name them and write them down or not. What would it be like if we set our priorities to make them come behind Jesus? What if we made our first priority for 2022 and going forward to just follow Jesus, to, to actually really let him be Lord? What would that look like? That just kind of sounds radical. What would that look like? It would be that we are lifelong learners. There's, Jesus doesn't promise a graduation until we go from this life to glory. We're always learning. Disciples of Jesus never quit following, never quit learning. And you know what that does to us? It makes us into something different. It makes it, we start where we are. That's the only place we could start. But then Jesus makes us into something different. And our changed lives are what we use as a net to bring others to join us in following Jesus. The Great Commission, as you know, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, all authority is given to me on heaven and on earth. All authority. Nothing in heaven and on earth has more authority than I do, Jesus said to them. So listen to what I'm about to say right now. Here's what Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So back to the original question of the day, what do we want people to become? What do we want to become at Gaston First United Methodist Church? We want to become followers and fishers, disciples who produce other disciples. That's it. It's really simple. I didn't say it was easy, but it really is simple. So if it's just that simple, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it more? I don't know. I want you to imagine how silly this might sound. Um, what if I went to one of my kids and said, uh, you know, I really need you to go in the kitchen and wash the dishes. Sink's full. You know what to do. I need you to go in there and wash dishes. And then um, an hour later, that whichever unnamed one of my children 
would come up to me and say, Dad, I'm really excited. I memorized what you said. I wrote it down on a little index card. Go wash the dishes. And I memorized it. See? Didn't I do a great job? And I would say, yeah, that, that's, that, that's swell, but um, did you actually wash the dishes? And they might say, well, no, no, you know what I did is I gathered a group of my friends together in the kitchen, and, and we, we all talked about, and we went around the circle, and we talked about what it would be like to wash dishes. And then we sang, Dad, we sang dishwashing songs. And then everybody hugged and cried. It was such a special moment. I'll never forget it. And then I would say, but did, did you actually wash dishes? You see how silly that sounds? Do you see how familiar that sounds for us as a church? How we, we talk about following Jesus and talk about casting that net out and helping others follow Jesus too? But maybe we just memorize what Jesus said. Maybe we just get together and sing songs about doing it. And we don't actually throw that fish out, that net out for the fish. So, I mean, when we go fishing today, if we were going out on a boat or going down on the dock, we would bait a hook with some kind of lure and throw it out there in the water, hoping that we might get a fish to bite. That's not how they fished in Jesus' day. They cast the nets out, you see. They cast them out and they captured the fish and they pulled them in. And that's how you and I fish for people. I, I don't mean to just say religious words. I want to tell you what I mean. It means we, we cast the net out of, of what we said we're doing as a church. Our, our mission is to, to share Christ to make disciples, to serve and give hope. So a, a net of help and hope and love we cast out there. And, and we draw every fish we could get in. And when we get them here, we make them feel welcome because there's nothing like being made to feel welcome. And the flip side of that is there's nothing worse than to be made to feel unwelcome. So we love them and we serve them in such a way that they get caught up. They'll see us following and they'll want to follow too. See, what I found is folks are already thirsty. We just show them where the well is. We're going to invite them. We're going to keep on inviting them. We're going to love them, keep on loving them, welcome them, keep on welcoming them and love them right into the kingdom with us. The very last thing that Jesus said in the Great Commission was this. He said, remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, because we cannot do this in our own strength. The real presence of Christ, Christ the powerful way that we experience that is not just by singing another hymn or another worship song, but it's by being a follower who produces other followers. It's who we want to become. It's who we want other people to become. Let's pray. God, 
Sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to authentically be who you have made us to be. When the whole world is trying to tell us who we are, to be who you have said we are. When the whole world tries to tell us what to do, to do what you have called us to do. When the whole world says, follow me, but we are called to follow you and to leave everything else behind. So God, help us because we need to reprioritize. Help us, Lord. There are things we need to take up and things we need to let go of. Help us, Lord, to be about the business of casting the net of help, hope, and love to a world that's dying to hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn today is Go Make of All Disciples. It's number 571. As we sing today, I want to invite you, if you, if you uh, feel led to, come and, and pray at the altar. Um, the altar is open for you to pray. If you want to pray by yourself, then that's fine. If you want me to come and pray with you, I'll be glad to do that. But let's stand together. Number 571.
And now let us go forth without fear, even though the task looms large before us, to follow without fear in heaven and earth, God's power shall bring God's kingdom here. Amen. Thank you.